0: day, and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. We want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. We record Theology in the Dirt from Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address a foster care and adoption crisis in Northwest Georgia, Georgia, the Southeast, and the world as we practice our theology in the public square. You can check out Restoration Rome by going to restorationrome.org. My name is Mitchell Jolly.
1: And I'm Chris Hayes.
0: Let's get ourselves to some headlines and news. Well, Chris, former President Donald Trump, yesterday, Thursday, pleaded not guilty in federal court four charges related to special counsel Jack Smith's investigation into Trump's alleged efforts to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Trump was released pending a trial. And the next hearing the case is set for later this month, I think August the 28th. Then the Justice Department unsealed a federal indictment on Thursday of two U.S. Navy service members accused of taking bribes in exchange for passing sensitive national security information to China through contact with a Chinese spy. The two sailors, both of whom have been placed under arrest, were charged with separate cases. It's unclear whether they were in contact with the same Chinese intelligence officer, however. The sailors were stationed at two different naval bases in California. And then in a two-to-one decision on Thursday, federal appeals court, a federal appeals court, ruled the Biden administration's asylum restrictions can remain in place as the legal battle over the policy works its way through the courts. Last week, a district judge in California set the policy's end date for Monday, Ruling that the administration's policy preference in granting asylum claims for migrants who resisted or, or who registered with the CPB CBP one app and applied for asylum in a third country they traveled through to reach the U.S. violated congressional statutes. The appeals court promised an accelerated timeline to review the case. And finally, GOP Rep. Dan Bishop of North Carolina said on local North Carolina radio Thursday he will not seek reelection and will instead. Uh, As Dispatch Politics reported last week, run to be the state's Attorney General. Current North Carolina Attorney General Josh Stein is not running for re-election, setting up a tough contest for the open position. Bishop will face former North Carolina legislator Tom Murray in a GOP primary for the statewide office. And that is brought to you by the Dispatch. My headlines
1: for today. Nice. My my first one is the Trump thing as well. He's facing seventy eight criminal charges across three jurisdictions, with the possibility of a fourth in Georgia coming up po- as possibly as early as next month. Um, continues to be f- a fascinating, not in a good way, story <laughs> right. to watch because of the upcoming, you know, presidential race next year, where he's ex- still expected to be the pres- the Republican nominee, uh, going against someone who else is potentially facing charges in our current president. <laughs> Joe Biden, who and so, I, yeah, I don't think it's ever happened. And, and forgive me, historian out there who may know better than me, but I can't imagine there's been a overwhelmingly overwhelming favorite to be a nominee of a party who's facing anywhere near this kind of legal issues, much less the potential of both potential leading candidates doing this. Um, and then to complicate matters more, another Republican candidate, former Vice President Mike Pence. Is also expected to be a witness in some of these arraignments and some of these trials against President Trump, and so it's just, that ought to be fun. It's a giant mess that's getting messier. Yeah. It's um, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's definitely something to follow. Definitely, because who knows what's going to happen. My other headline today sort of aligns with our topic. Uh, there are two supermoon occurrences expected to happen this month, including a rare super blue moon. Um, which happens apparently only once in every ten years or so. And to clarify, blue moon is not referring to the color of the moon, which although that would be really cool, that would be cool. Um, but rather, it refers to the frequency and that it's the month's second full moon. And this one is noteworthy because it's during the perigee, or where kind of where the moon is closest to the Earth in its orbit. So on August 30th, around 9:36 p.m., you'll want to look outside. That's when it will be at its peak, and that should last about three days.
0: Awesome. There was an incredible full moon it, uh, just a couple of days ago. We were coming home. That's the first of the super moon. That was the first. It was, is, yep. it was incredible. It was just coming up over the trees, and and I was fascinated by that. I love the sky, love stars, love the whole concept of space, and I was transfixed by it. Almost, you know, ran across the yellow double yellow line, right. <laughs> staring at the moon.
1: Yes, please don't observe while driving down the road. <laughs> yeah, wait but till that, you wait till you get home. But that transitions transitions us well into the big event.
0: It does. It's time.
1: Gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8,
0: 7. Indeed, let's rock. Okay, so uh, our topic for today is we want to talk about UAPs and UFOs. Just dive in, <laughs> all right? Um, the primary fall reason. home. <laughs> yeah, phone home. Sorry, e. couldn't resist. If you hadn't seen E.T., like if you have not seen that movie, you repent and go watch that. That's a great 1980s flick. I saw that in the theater, like in the theater when it came out. That's how old I am. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that. uh, On digital platform, probably not even DVD. I don't know.
1: I saw it on VHS. VHS. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but I saw it in VHS. I keep
0: forgetting. You are kind of old. I am. You're old. Yeah. You're officially old.
1: Our ages start with the same letter.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they do. The second letter is very different. It it is. It is different, but it's starting the same way. You're just old. So you did have VHS. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. I, I fancy you guys a little younger than you are. You're just not. It's okay to be old. It's okay. Just embrace it, man. It's good. So uh, UAPs and UFOs, reason A, number one, I'll tell you a little bit about this in just a moment, but um, it's in the news. There's been congressional hearings where uh, Navy fighter pilots, uh, airline pilots have testified to things they have seen. Um, Until we switched our streaming service uh, a couple months back, I had access to the History Channel and love Curse of Oak Island. Absolutely. Love that show and can't watch it anymore. And then um, History Channel. And the History Channel had this show, started season four this year, Skinwalker Ranch, where they have documented UAPs. Like, they have them on video, UAPs. these un- And UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. There was actually a congressional, um, or actually a congressional uh, committee appointed uh, to work for the DOD to study UAPs, of which one of the guys on the show participated in he's a rocket scientist guy from Huntsville Alabama a real country dude but super smart dude on the show um and so this is real that people are seeing things uh, there's documented evidence of seeing stuff UFOs uh UFO is called a, an unidentified flying object and I don't know why the different uh titles like I don't know maybe UAP is the more accurate way to say it and none of Here's my hunch. I haven't read anything as to why UFO and UAP is different. My hunch is um, a UFO uh, is an unidentified flying object, so it's a thing someone saw. UAP is an unidentified aerial phenomena. And so what I find interesting in that vocabulary is one leaves room for something less tangible, less physical. And so it's a phenomena. We don't know what it is. It's not just an object. It's a phenomena. Um, because they're introducing things like wormholes. And and so this traveling between, now, if you haven't studied metaverses, that's worth digging into what a metaverse is and um, traveling between universes. Uh, there's actually a pretty decent Joe Rogan podcast recently had uh, Stephen Meyer, who is a Christian, and he is a brilliant, he's a, he's a, uh, He's got a PhD in philosophy of bio, biology, I think, it's something like that. But it's a philosophical – it's philosophy, but it deals with science.
1: Yeah.
0: And I love, A, that Rogan is curious enough to have a Christian on the show. But a, a brilliant Christian like Stephen Meyer, he was required reading in my apologetics course on his work on um, human genetics and that kind of stuff. Uh, but one of the things they talk about in there is the theory between um, – our universe and the size of our universe versus metaverses. and uh, you want to get down a rabbit hole of amazing science? Go listen to that Joe Rogan podcast with Stephen Meyer. I I can't even like I speak English, pretty good, right? <laughs> but I listen to them talking English and struggled to like understand what was being said. But I had to listen to it twice, but it started making sense. But that's worth getting down. But they're talking about worm, wormholes and, and, and entities now. It's not just like objects, it's entities, which I find fascinating, which leads us to, to talk about, I think, what we want to talk about today. I don't think we're going to have any concrete answers, but I think what we can do is apply what a Christian worldview says about phenomena and objects and their source. C.S. Lewis has a a statement that I absolutely love. He said, Children are not deceived by fairy tales. They're often and gravely deceived by school stories. I think Lewis writing particularly from a supernatural worldview as a converted atheist to Christianity, um, critiquing naturalism um, as a Christian coming from atheism or agnosticism, Lewis was um, fascinated with the supernatural because it's it's the unseen, it's the intangible that was so key in the Lord bringing him to faith, and so um, so he wrote what he wrote. He wrote the way he wrote when he wrote children's stories, um, and so children are not deceived by fairy tales. Children are deceived often and gravely by school stories, and so what's happened for us from a worldview perspective, the Enlightenment and resulting naturalism has destroyed the pursuit of truth because it's limited facts to an empirical physical evidence sphere with no room for immaterial things, zero room for immaterial things. And denying that discernible immaterial things exist that produce resulting experiences from our brains and bodies um, can lead to people being duped into ignoring the fact that there is an immaterial reality around us. And so what if, though, in the Enlightenment it's not true as far as materialism and naturalism goes? What if naturalism isn't true? What if the physical world isn't all there is? Like, the answer to that question is massive. Yeah, It's huge. Because if there is indeed an unseen realm, <clears throat> an immaterial existence that can overlap and indeed does overlap with the material world, then by gosh, that's we're talking about unexplored, untapped, Stuff. Yeah. And so, therefore, um, I think what we found is naturalism has created, naturalism uh, as a worldview, um, divorced from particularly theistic Christianity or, or Christian theism, that's the way to say that, um, has created a void in, in, in people. And without proper theology, without a Christian worldview, people begin to seek out, because a naturalistic existence is worthless. It's the big dirt nap. That means the only shot you get is this life. You better squeeze everything out of it you possibly can. And if it's not real good, then everything's meaningless. So just end, end life. You know, just why keep living? There's no other hope. And people have recognized that's a, that's a pretty terrible way to live life. There has to be more. And so people search that out. But without Christian theism, they begin to search out other methodologies and other things, which... They're seeking out truth but they're not doing it through the lens that is true mm-hmm. and they find that that world is there. Right. I mean you can go all over television today and find the ghost hunter stories and and um, mediums and and all of this stuff is there and people are seeking that out. So for us though the bottom line is I can't divorce my biblical worldview from myself and my observations. Now I've always been fascinated with unexplained things the only library books I checked. <laughs> I checked out in elementary, middle school, and high school where the orange ones... Now, if you... I don't know if the libraries at Pepperell uh, elementary, middle, and high school had these orange, thin little orange books. And, and I didn't even know how to use Dewey Decimal, didn't care, but I knew where to find the orange-spined books. And they were books on Dracula, <laughs> Bigfoot, UFOs, and that kind of stuff. I'm fascinated looking at those things because it's full of reports people made. And I was always like, wow, people... So either this is all a bunch of just hogwash, mm-hmm. or these are actual reports. I mean, you only got one or two options there. No doubt there there are people who have hoaxed. Yeah, there are hoaxes all over the place. There are hoaxes inside Christianity. There are hoaxes in Islam. There are hoaxes in other world religions. There's people who abuse things to hurt other people. But there's an awful lot of sincere people who've seen and experienced things that. Th- that there's no physical explanation for. And I was always fascinated by those things. And if you haven't been to the Bigfoot Museum in Blue Ridge, <laughs> Georgia, have you been?
1: I've been there, yeah. It's awesome.
0: It's you really gotta neat. go check it out. Just ask the question, right? What's wrong with seeking out the truth? What if there's some bipedal creature that's pretty intelligent? I don't know. Right. Too many people have said they've seen... and it's a global phenomenon. That's another thing about the Bigfoot. Now People are like, I'm tuning out. He's talking Bigfoot. But, I mean, people... Uh, like there's a great book called The Long Walk um, and it's a story of a World War II veteran a Polish World War II veteran who's taken uh, by the Russian army um, and he was shipped to Siberia and he and some dudes escaped from a prison camp in Siberia and they trekked across the Himalayas to India to their freedom and um, they saw yeti and how that story got um, exposed was a british man who was doing some research uh on yeti uh heard about this man who's seen yeti so he went to interview him and this was this man so what he discovered was the yeti was kind of part of the book but that's not the purpose of the book the purpose was to talk about their escape from siberia all the way to india which is fascinating wow. and in the midst of all that they saw what they saw and so credible dude prisoner of war escaped great story and in the middle of that they saw these creatures, but you have these reports all over the world of these interesting creatures. I just, that's fascinating to me. Like it's hard to just dismiss, right? When so many people see similar things, you can't just write it off. I don't think you can. Um, I mean, that's evidence. That's what you're doing. You're looking for evidence. So I was always fascinated by that and I couldn't dismiss those people. So here's what I would put forward and I'm going to stop and then we'll come back to some things that I find in the Bible. I'd put forward for consideration, for our consideration, people who listen to us, that supernatural forces are perhaps the source of UAPs and UFOs and other strange things and and connected to a materialist worldview divorced from a supernatural reality or keen interest in supernatural things or issues of the occult without any mooring to a robust and biblical theological center. So um, if a person is indeed interested— And their worldview does not allow them to be able to properly evaluate unseen, immaterial things and material things. I would say that it is possible that supernatural forces are the source of these things, whether it be UAPs, UFOs, sightings of various creatures, experiences, ghosts, all of those things. And particularly with people who have a keen interest coming out of naturalism in the occult and supernatural things, divorced from any source... Uh, of limitation, um, I would say that they are open to and experiencing supernatural forces they can't explain and are likely um, being manipulated theologically
1: in some manner.
0: So I'm going to stop yeah. there because that's a lot to unpack.
1: It is, and I, I, we were going to get into kind of that spiritual world coming up and talk about a lot of those different things because I think I think one of the worst things a Christian can do is just to drop a hard and fast wall down and say, no, no, that's not real. Right When, and and you're going to get into this, and I've got some references to later of, I mean, there's examples of this throughout scripture. Now we have, we're given reasons for what those are. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of examples of what we would refer to today as supernatural phenomena or the appearance of, non-tangible beings however you want to refer to right that as angels ghosts demons all those kinds of things so i think there's enough evidence there and i think the wrong way to approach it is no nah, i don't believe in any of that right because number one when you do that then we're not hearing anyone's argument on the other side mm-hmm. plus the likelihood of those people saying that having right. done enough research and I, right. I will admit i have not done enough research on my own to be able to right definitively say this isn't real and i think we have enough instances where it is so let's let's dive into some numbers about about that let's do it Uh, there was a a survey done by bonus finder a staggering so we we were looking at this together and kind of asked the question why does a lot of this seem to happen in the united states in north america And (laughs) and when we first posed that question i'm like well i'm sure it's happening otherwise i didn't realize the the staggering difference. So I want I want that's why I think it's important to go to the numbers here. I Absolutely. wanted to preface that. So yep. nine staggering ninety two percent of all reported UFO sightings take place in the US, with a hundred and twenty six thousand and ninety four reported sightings across all states since record keeping began. How many sightings? A hundred and twenty six thousand and ninety four. Since
0: they started keeping records. Since they, Writing it down, so it's probably more than twenty-six thousand. Yes, ninety-two percent in the United States, most in the world. Now, Crazy. keep
1: that number in mind as I address the okay. the country with the second most is our neighbor to the north, Canada, oh. with five thousand six hundred ninety-six sightings. Wow! So, if you're doing your math, that's approximately one hundred twenty thousand or so more in the U.S. as opposed to Canada, which that's are fascinating, which border each other, right? Uh, rounding out the uh, the top 10 here in countries, because, again, I think it's important to address the, yeah. how vast the differences are. Um, so uh, speaking of Canada, apparently there's reports that alien spacecraft like to stick around longer up north so that the incidents in Canada often last for over five hours per sighting. Really? I think that's interesting. But And there is, is a lot of weird things that happen up north with, like, yeah. the uh, northern lights and, sure. you know, yeah. darkness and on the way that yeah. it's bent towards the sun, those kinds sure. of things. But, but that's anyway, an
0: explainable phenomenon, correct
1: right? But that's not as explainable as why there'd be 120,000 yeah, different. Because
0: it, it's not like there's this magical wall in the sky that, that extends from the border of Canada and the United States that these whatever can't pass through. Right. So so there has to be some other explanation as to why the massive number number difference there. I mean, just numbers by themselves, because numbers don't lie. Right has to tell you there is a reason why more Americans see that than Canadians.
1: And and it's about to get more start here. So let me round right. out the top ten for countries. The, United, the UK reported the third most with 3,146. The rest of the top ten includes Germany at four with 200. Wow. That's the drop-off there. Okay. Ireland, number five, with 166. The Netherlands, sixth, at 153. Spain was seventh with 128. France number eight with 108, Portugal number nine with 75, and Italy number ten with 74. So that's a gap of 126,020 between first and tenth.
0: Incredible. Okay, I know you've got more stuff, and I'm fascinated. Can we like pause and talk about that? Yeah. Because okay, what are what are the commonalities here between the countries you listed, the top ten? What are like? I'm, I'm okay. Here's one. Here's what I'm thinking. Number one, they're they're westernized. Yeah, like sir. they have a Western empirical. They've all been affected by the Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. All right, so they're materialist in nature, and what I mean by that is not they like they. When we say materialist, I don't mean they like to buy stuff. I mean they, by and large, as a worldview, scientifically see the material world is all that there is. There's no supernatural. Right. So that's a commonality there. What else? What else do you see is common well, between all these countries? All the
1: top ten, and this goes to what you said, are. North American or Europe. Yep. So I, I, I think it's important to say there's a caveat here probably where maybe some of your far eastern countries either don't keep records as much. Yeah. Or maybe it's due like, to a lot of other They
0: already see the, demons. Like I visit true, yeah. a lot of those and work in those. They they cultural. Yeah, that's it's not a thing for them to go, Yeah, that demon lives right over there. Like they're like they know physical locations where things live. I've visited, I've heard out loud, like I've had crazy experiences in crazy places. Here's another commonality uh, in those. uh, Well, well, maybe it's a distinction. Canada all the way, so number two all the way through number nine have some manner. So I'm, I'm theorizing here. This is not in the notes. I'm thinking the massive drop off from the United States to Canada from Canada. So two all the way through 10, all of them have some manner of state church. The Church of England, Lutheran, uh, Roman Catholic.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of Catholic. Yeah. So so yeah.
0: there's some manner of state or um, overarching Christian presence, whether Lutheran, Roman Catholic, Church of England, Canada less so, but Canada is a, <laughs> a vassal of Great Britain, and we know that, right? So, But that's Church of England. We don't, so in the United States, we don't have any of that. That makes, I like I'm making this up on the fly, sure. but, but, but that's a fact, right? Like in any of those countries, like, can you go back through those countries again?
1: Yeah. So, um, the top three U.S. Canada and United Kingdom. Okay. And then number four is Germany, but it drops down to only 200. Okay. So then you got Ireland. So that's okay.
0: Ireland's got their own. Okay. Yep. yep. They got their own thing.
1: The Netherlands. Netherlands would be Dutch
0: reformed. Right. Spain. Roman Catholic. France. uh, Oh, they're going to hell. <laughs> 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 is there, I am I'm apologize. We, I don't know, I don't, like, is there I'm a church sure. of France or?
1: I would assume there's still a heavy <coughs> Catholic, Catholic base heavy there. Catholic, yeah. And again, I'm making an assumption, so forgive me. if Those of you who are French historians, you might know better. But Yeah, you
0: can write us in and tell us how bad right, we got that wrong. <laughs>
1: uh, and then you got Portugal and Italy. So those would be Catholic. Yeah.
0: So, there's a strong presence of a Christian, whether it's integrated into every individual person, there is some presence nationally of a state sponsored or, or recognized church. Right. That's interesting.
1: But you don't see like an Argentina here, which oh. I would think would be, yeah. and, and I don't know what's, maybe they're close, but right. at least not in the top 10. Right. Uh, and there's zero Eastern, no Eastern know, yeah. religious heavy cultures in this list. Interesting. Japan didn't make the list. No. That's wild. No. I would have, th- I would have guessed China would have been on here. Yeah. I would have guessed Russia because of their well Northern,
0: even in China, even in, I would say Japan has a strong emphasis on ancestral, um, spiritual. Like I actually watched a show after the tsunami of people, um, connecting with dead relatives who were killed in the tsunami and, they talked about their impression on where they died. Like they talk about impressions, being able to go to that place and feel their presence. Right. And so there's a strong, even in Japanese culture, um, regardless of where the gospel has pioneered to, uh, Japan also has a strong, it was at 800 AD. I think uh, a bunch of Christian missionaries were crucified at low tide. And when the high tide came in, you know, killed a bunch of them. It's like a whole bunch of missionaries were killed. So Japan has a dark history in dealing with Christian missions. And so, um, and it's robust supernatural worldview of ancestor worship. And so I'm not surprised that we're pe- what's interesting is where people have a view of the supernatural already in play. They're seeing less of these things, right? That's that that's, cannot be accidental.
1: No. And then when we dive into States now, Oh, I've got so the you've top got states. five States in the U S cause I think that's awesome. important to address too. Yeah. They won't surprise you. Some of them, I don't think, Okay. And Some of this may be size, but okay. but not all these are okay, just the hugest states, okay. And I just said hugest, and I don't apologize. <laughs>
0: that is okay, huge.
1: Um, so <laughs> sorry, uh, so obviously, let me ask you, what do you think is number one?
0: I like, I, I'm, I'm gonna say California or
1: Utah, it's definitely California, and I understand why you went to Utah, <laughs> yeah. it is California by twice as many as number yeah. two, yeah. But California has. Fifteen thousand four hundred eighty sightings. Yeah. Number two is Florida at seven thousand eight hundred and thirty-five. Okay. Washington State comes in at third, which I thought was random. The All other right. other five other four don't surprise me, but Washington had six thousand eight hundred eighty-nine. Texas five thousand eight hundred fourteen. I imagine a lot of weird things are seen in Texas. Yeah. A lot of flat land, a lot of pasture. Yeah. Etc. And then New York not surprising at 5627 so that rounds out the top five in our st- in our country
0: I'll be fascinated to know Florida is definitely a, uh, a a um uh what you call it a state where people move to they're not native Floridians what's that called Because We talk about Atlanta being one of those cities which transient is, transient yeah it's a transient state yeah so people coming from all that so I can kind of see so it's not just your typical Floridian um so California Washington okay it was California Washington.
1: New York, uh, California, Florida, Florida, Washington, Texas, New York.
0: All right. So what's interesting, you got Washington, California, also your top Bigfoot siders. right? I don't think that's a, that's not coincidental. And so New York being transient as well, probably an awful lot. So you got in Texas, Texas is actually Austin, particularly some of your more liberal cities are very transient. Right. And so you got people from all over. So it, it, Kind of makes sense a little bit, but what's missing there would be your deep south, deeply rooted religious people not seeing an awful lot of UAPs or UFOs.
1: Yeah. Honestly, I was a little bit surprised that we didn't see like a New Mexico or mm-hmm. Arizona on here. Mm-hmm. And I know their populations are much less, so maybe yeah, that's, that's why. But when you it's think convenient. of UFO sightings, you immediately go to Roswell. You do. New Mexico, or I do. Yeah, that's or what like I think. Area 51, you might yep. th- think of some place in New Mexico or Arizona
0: Skinwalker Ranch is in Utah. Yeah. So it's in northern Utah. That That's Mormon. So I'm not surprised there. But also, also, too, there's some of that area, too. Like you got the desert of California, Utah. There's a lot of nuclear testing that took place in those regions also. I find that interesting.
1: Yes. And. You start splitting atoms. Where they tested the atom bomb. I learned this from a. Pretty great movie when we saw that. For the day. <laughs> Actually, yes. I knew that before, but yeah. it, well, and, I, and also too. And then I I post a question too. Well, maybe those states aren't on there because it's become so normalized, people don't report it. Mm, that's and, a good point. And I don't know if that's true. I am just yeah speculating there, but maybe right. it's like oh, we see stuff all the time, right? So we don't report stuff anymore because I mean it's not like anyone's, you know. Right. I can imagine the police are like, "What? Let me mm-hmm. be there right away." They're like, "Oh, it's another." You know sightings, so.
0: right? Oh, that's crazy, Steve. Yeah. We know crazy Steve. Old crazy Bill is at it again with his
1: <laughs> reports. So, I mean, you know, I I don't know yeah. what yeah. what constitutes reports, what constitutes keeping those, but it's still fascinating to look at. It is particularly the difference in countries around the world. Well, numbers
0: don't lie, right? I mean, we're talking if if we're gonna one of the great things about numbers numbers are numbers are just tangible representations of of material facts, right? So they are what they are, what they are, and I—that's yeah, just fascinating. The states and the countries, um, who's present in those lists and who's not—that can't be coincidental. There has to be some commonality there, some some arcs and lines you can draw. And I think we've yeah. caught a couple of those, which is huge.
1: Well, and just over the past year and a half, give or take, uh, over 350 reports of UAPs have been made in the U.S. government in the U.S. alone. Mm. Um, about half of those have been identified as either balloon-like entities or balloons, which we've okay. talked about that before. Drones, okay. birds, or airborne debris like maybe plastic bags. But the other half of those still remain unexplained. Right. You know, and there was a big report that came out in 2021. That you can go Google and find it where the government kind of finally started coming out admitting like, hey, these things are right. real and people have seen them. Right. The Pentagon has even admitted that you know these are there's this many unexplained right. occurrences. Right. So it's not like they're they have explanations for all of them. Right. And I think a lot of people like to point to Russia or China, especially with like the spy balloon, yeah. you know, things and stuff like that. But if you start thinking about it deeper, I mean, Russia spends a fraction of what the U.S. does on military, right? Right. I mean, it's a very – no one spends on military like the U.S. does. Right. Whether that's research development, personnel, whatever you have it, just budget overall. And then China's aerial crafts always have major concerns. But I also think, well, if it was one of those countries and they were sending an actual spy balloon, why would they send it to places where people could easily see it? Right. Like like if you were – Doing that, I'm not. I mean, I would think that their their high end intelligence people would would be able to do that in a way that no one would be able to just easily see it,
0: or they have zero respect for (laughs) uh, the country and the leadership in that area of which they're sending something so obvious and so blatant.
1: Right, maybe that was the decoy, <laughs> just, yeah. or just yeah. just trying to mess with us. True. So Absolutely. there's a lot of reasons. I'm not trying to say it's sure. not them, but I right, think that's, right, right. it's easy to be. Oh, that's just China. Right. Well, it might not be. It might. Yeah. <laughs>
0: right. 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 Yeah. That that's right. Your your point's well taken. That it it might not be that. It could be something else. Right. Could be. And that's the whole thing is we want to like let's follow facts where they go, but let's consider that facts can be immaterial also. Experiences, particularly when extrapolated over time, in consistent regions. By multiple people, you can't ignore that. Right. Yeah. And that's good. Okay. So, all right. Let me jump into some Bible stuff here. This is hard to talk about if you haven't at least read your Bible through once carefully and more than one time, ideally. And all you have in a supernatural worldview is an angel demon dichotomy. Um, We just did a whole series of basic Christian doctrine and we talked about angels and demons. We asked questions, question, what are angels and demons? And I even said in that sermon, like, this is just scratching the surface. Because if we get down the rabbit hole of some of the stuff I'm going to say today in a sermon, it's not good. (laughs) It's not good. Uh, partly because we, we're dealing with a Christian climate, and I'm not saying in our church, but a Christian climate in general where biblical illiteracy is through the roof. Like people just don't read their Bibles. And if they read them through once, that's a win. Um, but here's the reality. If you're listening to this and you've been a Christian for more than five years, you need to be reading that thing through once a year. We have Bible reading plans that's simple that get you through the Bible once in a year. In fact, if you use my little, the little plan that we, we recognize, I recommend you get through the Old Testament once and the New Testament Psalms twice in a year. It takes you about 15, 20 minutes a day. It's not hard to do. Right. Um, so if all you have is an angel-demon dichotomy, there are places in the Bible that are going to give you trouble, mm-hmm. right? Because the Bible talks about some stuff, and it starts, first of all, with the nature and character of God. God, God's revealed himself in the Bible in total, as triune, he's one God, three distinct persons, same essence, same nature, one God, but again, three distinct persons. Immaterial Father, immaterial Holy Spirit, incarnate, present, physical Son. And you see this all through the Bible. So there's there's an immaterial, material nature to the Creator God, the Lord, the God of the Bible, revealed in Jesus Christ. And so, if he exists eternally... Like he's the only eternal being. There are, there are no other eternal beings. He is the creator. He's the only eternally existing being. He created all things, including, the Genesis says, the host of heaven. And when you find that word all through the Bible, it's referring predominantly to spiritual unseen forces. Mm-hmm. So he created the host of heaven. And he himself is immaterial and material. So he created the unseen. Then he created Adam and Eve. So he created a physical world. Physical creation, physical beings, and immaterial beings, because he himself is physical and immaterial. And so we have a creation that kind of resembles the nature and character of God right. to some degree. And so, and we have a Bible that's explicit about this unseen world being real and parallel and overlapping with and engaging with the seen world. And I'm just gonna give you a few examples, okay? I'm gonna start. And these are not in any particular order, it's not Old Testament and New Testament. I kind of skip around all over. But the first one that I come across is Mark 5.13, Unclean Spirits. In some periodicals, they're referred to as bee spirits. I'm not going to say the word. If you're an adult, you know what a bee spirit is. Um, uh, It's a spirit... um, that is looking for a body because its body, it's been divorced from its body at some point in time, particularly unclean spirits were believed in Jewish culture at the time when Jesus used that language, unclean spirits were thought to believe disembodied Nephilim. And we'll talk about Nephilim in just a moment. So um, disembodied Nephilim. So when Nephilim were destroyed, particularly in the flood, um, because of what their identity is, Those unclean spirits are constantly seeking bodies, which is why you find in the New Testament Jesus will cast out an unclean spirit, and and they ask for permission to go somewhere else. and In one particular instance, Jesus casts them into the herd of pigs, and they run down into the water. Jesus said, when you cast out an unclean spirit, it goes through waterless places seeking a place. And if this person's life isn't put in order it comes and makes its home there and the the last state of that person is worse than the first so these unclean spirits are thought to be disembodied nephilim it's what jewish people believe them to be disembodied nephilim And i find it interesting that as christians who have the totality of the bible we we out of hand either don't know this or reject it outright Mm -hmm. and some of that's my fault for not teaching it from (laughs) from the pulpit but there's some degree of like when you start saying stuff like this naturalists who call themselves christians struggle hard because you start messing with clean dichotomies, and the spiritual world's not clean. It's super complex. Biblically, it is. So that's an unclean spirit. Demons, Matthew eight sixteen, which are a different entity. Demons and unclean spirits, Jesus distinguishes them. Elemental spirits, Colossians 2, 8. There's a whole scholarly discussion on what an elemental spirit is. Three options, and I'm going to give those to you. But, Contextually, there are places where you can describe, and, and translations of the Bible translate a little bit different. Some would call them elemental principles, uh, elemental spirits, um, and and the translators, the translation theory dictates how you how you might translate that. But Paul, particularly in Colossians two eight, makes it super clear later on in Colossians that he's not talking about a principle or an idea, but he's talking about an entity, and so some entity of elements, so some spiritual being that philosophically has ideas and thoughts that are part of the elements of creation uh, that. That's weird. Yeah. But Paul says that he's elemental spirits. And then you got ghosts or spirits who have passed on Isaiah 29, four, Matthew 14, 26, and particularly first Samuel 28, 11, where Saul is in the greatest distress of his life. And he goes to the witch or the medium at indoor. And he's so desperate for counsel because the Lord has withdrawn the spirit from him. And Saul, like I, like I get emotional when I talk about Saul because I mourn over Saul. He was a head taller than anybody, and 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 there's a reason, probably for anyway. Get down the why he's a head taller. Yeah, Nephilim giants. He's a head taller. We want our king to be like theirs. All that stuff. But here's a man who received the spirit of the Lord, and and in favor of other things. Uh, in favor of his own comfort, lost everything. And I feel the desperation of Saul at the end of his life. And he goes to the witch at Endor, the medium at Endor, and so desperate to hear from the Lord, he asked her to bring Samuel up. She does. And What's interesting is the Bible, the inspired, you got to keep in mind, as Christians, particularly our brand of we're conservative Christians, we believe the Bible is inerrant, we believe it's the Word of God, mm-hmm. it's true. Genesis to Revelation, um, and it teaches truth, tells us who God is, who we are, teaches about the world. Um, your word is truth, Jesus said. Uh, so, so sanctify them in the truth. And, and the Bible never says this didn't happen. It simply tells us that it did happen. It's real. And she brings Samuel up from the abode of the dead, and Samuel rebukes Saul right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in the Bible. Uh, this is a little less biblical, but I think you see it in. And so I'm confessing that this is debatable. But impressions or tendencies left in geographical locations due to horrific events. For instance, the Valley of Hinnom. It's the southern valley of the city of Jerusalem. Uh, It's a place where um, children later on in Israel's history were sacrificed to the little G-god, Molech. And Jesus refers to it as Gehenna, the Valley of Hinnom, the sons of Hinnom. So it was the Valley of the Sons of Hinnom. Jesus called it Gehenna as a reference for hell particularly due to the fact that at the time it was used as a garbage dump and place where they burned dead bodies and the reason it was done so is because it became a place where they sacrificed children and the impression of that location was so horrific jesus used it to describe hell so it's just an interesting thing so there are places and tendencies and places where we can feel geographical evil all right so mm-hmm. mediums again first samuel 28 a medium is a person who can communicate between humans and the unseen world uh <clears throat> Necromancers, Leviticus 20, 27, Deuteronomy 18, 11 is one who can summon the dead. Uh, it's just fascinating here that the Bible tells us this is possible and that there are people who do it. Mm-hmm. I also find it interesting, too, that there are people with innate abilities wired in them in creation who are sensitive to the spiritual world. That's, that's, that's also evident, too. Um, territorial members of God's heavenly council. This is where people get a little freaked out because like Daniel 10.13 and Daniel 10.20, uh, the prince of Persia is fighting with some of the Lord's counsel, Gabriel, and, and he mentions, and, and others, and he was detained. And Michael came to help this entity who was fighting with the prince of Persia, and that's why they were delayed in bringing the answer to Daniel's prayer. Mm-hmm. You have to wrestle with that. Who is the prince of Persia? All right, And how is it that... Gabriel and Michael and other members of the heavenly council related to faithfulness to the Lord are in a struggle with them. That's not an unclean spirit. That's not a demon. That's a different, that's a different level. That's a big boy. Yeah. And then you got Nephilim, uh, Genesis six, Genesis six, four is tricky. There were Nephilim on the earth before the flood and after the flood. It's right there in the text, meaning either. And it says the sons of God came to the daughters of men and they had, the giants, the Nephilim. And so they existed before the flood, existed after the flood, which you got to get down the rabbit hole of how that happened. Um, and can that still happen? There's lots of questions to ask and answer in regard to that text. Because what you find out is some people want to define Nephilim as, oh, these these are you know, the sons of God or, or the descendants of, of Adam or Seth. or, or, or uh, So they're they're the line. The problem is when you... Look at that language, sons of God, later on in Deuteronomy 32. It's clear it's not referencing Israel. It's referencing divine counsel. Other members God created in the heavenly realm he calls sons also. And so somehow these spiritual beings bred with women, and they have this hybrid people called the Nephilim that are particularly interesting. Uh, The first thing God leads them around in the Exodus up to... The east side of Canaan and the very first king they confront, Og, who is Og, Og's a Rephaim, who are descendants of the Nephilim, and he's a giant. Mm-hmm. And so you got to deal with that. Right. And what's interesting is the dimensions of Og's bed match the dimensions of the bed of Marduk on on one of the ziggurats where Marduk is worshipped, a false god. Interesting. Also, this is uh this is free. This is not my notes, but uh, if if you're Probably at some point in literature, if you've had a college literature class, you had to read the Gilgamesh epic. Did you read Gilgamesh? Did they make y'all do that?
1: No, we never had that one. You know who Gilgamesh? I know you, you know yeah. the story?
0: It's the Babylonian flood story. Well, in Mesopotamian lore, Gilgamesh was a Nephilim. Just, just, just play that out, mm-hmm. right? And so, anyway, so you got that hanging out there. So you got these hybrid, supernatural, human, giant people, which is one of the reasons why the spies. Ten of the twelve spies come back and say, "No, the Nephilim are there. We're like grasshoppers. They're big. We can't do it." And so, yeah. And then you got numbers twenty-two. You got curses. Curses are real. Yeah. Balak hires Balaam to try to curse the people of God, and the Lord won't let him. It's not that Balaam worships the Lord; it's just that Balaam's supernatural. He can. He can. He he interacts with all these little g gods and the Lord, and he's like, "I, I can't curse them." Balak's like, "I'll pay you." He's like, "It don't matter. I can't do it." And this is so intense that that the donkey is empowered to speak to Balaam to stop him from cursing, which means cursing is possible. Mm-hmm. So there are people who can do that kind of stuff. There are the magic arts, arts Acts 19.19. 19. There's witchcraft, Leviticus 19.26. And then the CSB, this Christian Standard Bible, it translates that word for witchcraft as tell fortunes. Or I'm sorry, the CSB calls it witchcraft, the ESV calls it tell fortunes. Divination then. I'm almost done, I promise. There's divination It's practiced by Joseph. Joseph practices divination in Genesis 30, 27. And in Deuteronomy 18, 10, divination is mentioned. And divination is gaining superhuman knowledge and knowing the future through supernatural means. Mm-hmm. Um, then there are spirits, uh, heavenly council members. Second Kings and Job give us a, a glimpse into this, where God is meeting with his heavenly council. And, and among them came the accuser. So the accuser's hanging around these divine, these beings that hang around the Lord. Uh, and in other prophets, they call them elders. Revelation talks about the 24 elders, these beings that the Lord created in his counsel. Uh Second Kings is the story of he, um, uh, Ahab and Hezekiah going to war together, Ramoth Gilead. And Hezekiah's like, don't you got a prophet who'll tell us the truth? And he's like, yeah, I got this one dude, but he never says anything good about me. He says, "I'll go get him," and uh, and then it switches to this scene where the Lord's meeting with his council. He says, "Who will go and be a lying spirit in the mouths of these prophets?" And one volunteers to go be a lying spirit. That's in the Bible. So you got these spirits, these heavenly council members who do the bidding of the Lord, whether good or evil, whatever side they're on. There's a lot, lot to talk about there, but that's in the Bible. Ephesians six twelve. Here we go. We're done. Rulers, authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. that That's just Ephesians 6.12. So authorities, rulers, cosmic powers over present darkness, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So here's my conclusion all that. Creation is a magical and supernatural distance. Yeah. If I believe my Bible, I cannot divorce what it says... From how I view the rest of the world, does that make sense? It does. I have to integrate that somehow. Now, if you want to believe the Bible's not true and it's just a old document and it's got some true things in it and some of it's just cultural and and man, we know that's not true. And then then you're on a different team, I, right? I, that's fine if you want to believe that, but that's not the team that we dwell on. We we don't believe that about the Bible. We believe the Bible self attests that it is the Word of God, that it is true. It doesn't contain error, and it is the source of right and wrong, who God is, who we are, His world. And it's our framework. It's the lens we put over our eyes. So if we're going to look at the Bible, we cannot look at creation as anything less than supernatural, hmm. seen and unseen. And so therefore, if we're hopelessly influenced by naturalism, we're going to find our ourselves in conflict as Christians, which I think all of us wrestle with that a little bit. Yeah. Because we want to come to the text and rather than embrace it, we want to explain it away. And I just want to say for us, we can't explain it away. We have to struggle with what we can't empirically prove but experience and other people experience around the world. And so we want to take it seriously. UFOs, UAPs, people seeing things. And so therefore, we're at a place where biblically we have low knowledge of what the Bible says, but influence in the supernatural, is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Like You can't go very far without hearing about psychedelics and the theological uh, experiences people have in trying to cure PTSD with psychedelics. But they talk about seeing Jesus. They talk about seeing Buddha. Um, So there's an all-time high in the supernatural, healing, physical problems. Um, Transcendental religions are offering that kind of stuff moralistic, therapeutic deism disguised as Christianity, divorced from reading the Bible, is leading people to be deceived, and a church that's been marginalized for a long time due to our absence in the public square with any real chops on anything of substance affecting the whole of our cities. And so we've got to be able to integrate what the text says and ask and answer some hard questions. And so I would say uh, there's a vacuum of spiritual knowledge, and what if these powerful forces can do more than we imagine to draw people away from Jesus?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and then we also have to be able, I mean, we're surrounded by these all the time, things like karma, which gets thrown around, but that's a spiritual yeah. force that, you know, I'm not yeah. saying we believe karma, but like, those are things that are, are commonly discussed. And so yeah. it's important that we take the time to study and know what is in the Bible. And there's going to be some things left unanswered for us. Yeah. But just having that knowledge is going to be key Uh, things like, you know, reincarnation is something you hear a lot about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then I've got one little note about um, before I get to my takeaways, which my takeaways are kind of on the spiritual world. So that'll go there. But you know, the question of like, what is there life on other planets? Is there life elsewhere? And uh, just doing some research on my own, like, A lot of the top astrophysicists agree that for a planet to sustain life, it must have a specific orbit around its host star, and it must have certain characteristics. And so far, astronomers have discovered 14 planetary habitable zones, and they've discovered almost 5,400 planets beyond our solar system. But as we look at those planets, none of them reside in even three of the 14 known planetary habitable zones. Mm. So for a planet to be truly habitable... It must simultaneously reside in all fourteen. Yeah, and we only know of one planet that resides in all fourteen—the one we're currently on. <laughs> we're on it. Uh, so everywhere and everywhere that they continue to look, conditions are either too hostile for even microbial life, much less advanced right. beings. Now, I want—I say that to say, could God have created other places with life? Absolutely, I don't sure. think we, I don't think I can say with hundred percent certainty just because it's not in the Bible that he didn't. Sure, but I also think even non-Christian after Ephesians are showing that so far that has not been right. There's not been evidence found that that yeah has occurred. Sure,
0: and I think as as Christians, let's follow good research.
1: Yeah, let's look. And continue to let's research. continue research.
0: Let's not be afraid of what we find. Let's let's read our Bibles. Let's integrate them. Let's believe them every word of them. And let's look at God's creation because the Bible says the heavens tell the glory of God. My hunch is the more we study, the more glory we're going to see.
1: Right, and we know it's it's eternal, right? There's no yeah. end to the universe, and so I, I agree with you. I think the more that that yeah. scientists and people and astronomers continue to to probe that, and the, the along the Lord allows us to be able to. You know, as long as he expands our yeah. ability to understand and, and to research that, I think ultimately it's just going to put more, it's going to bring him more glory. It's going to yeah. show him to be much more vast than we could possibly imagine. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, so it just, all those things are interesting. I think it's, I think it's an important topic to discuss. So let me dive into my takeaways, yeah. and um, which are uh, about the spiritual world. Number one, the Lord created the spiritual world or realm, and it is filled with spiritual beatings, beings also created by the Lord. Uh, First Kings twenty two nineteen, Psalm one forty eight one through five, Nehemiah nine six, and Colossians one sixteen. I'll point to that. Uh, also, it's important to note that some of these beings worship and serve the Triune God, while others are in rebellion against Him. And we see that mm-hmm. Hebrews one fourteen, Ephesians six twelve, which you mentioned, and Revelation twelve seven. So the ones that worship God are referred to as angels. And, and I think it's important here not to get too down a rabbit trail. But angels are spiritual beings. They are different from God, and they're different from humans. And so I think a lot of times we hear angels, we think angels, we think that's what we just, we just become angels. You know, when we die and we become like, we get mm. halo and we get wings. <laughs> yeah. But angels are, uh, they're more powerful than humans and they have great wisdom, but they are limited in power by the Lord who reigns over them. They yeah. don't have physical bodies though. They do a, have and they do appear in physical form. Yeah, and we have
0: they do incarnate at times. Yes, that's right.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Bible doesn't specify the number of angels, but we know it's a very large number and other spiritual beings, cherubim, seraphim, living creatures, and you named so many others yeah. as well. So there's, and it, by
0: the way, seraph uh, serpent in the garden is grammatically etymologically connected to seraph, and so Christians do a bad disservice by not paying attention to the language of of the old testament by doing stupid things, trying to disprove evolution, talking about snakes and legs and all that garbage. He's called the serpent. And the serpent is a derivative of seraph, meaning the rebel was a seraph. Right. And but he gets called serpent because it's etymologically connected, like it's it's intentional, like it's giving him a name. As the seraph. And then he's the serpent. Later on, you find the serpent. Anyway, so, sorry, I had to... No, that's important. <laughs> it's just reading it's reading the Bible carefully and asking questions. Yeah,
1: and, and the importance of context. Yes, that's right. <laughs> uh, in the Number two, in the internal state, the physical and spiritual realms of God's creation will be fully renewed and reunited, and all God's created beings will live in peace under his good rule. We find that Isaiah 65, 17, Isaiah 66... Second Peter 3, Ephesians 1, Colossians 1, Revelations 21. So I think it's important to note that yeah. while there is obviously disunity now and there are evil spiritual beings and there are good spiritual beings, they all operate under God's rule. Now and forever. And one day yeah. there will be a reuniting of those. Absolutely. Uh, number three, the Bible gives us instructions for interacting with the spiritual world. Mm. Christians should live with awareness of the spiritual realm and all the beings that inhabit it. Uh, we get Information from Matthew eighteen ten, Hebrews twelve twenty two through 24, twenty four, First Corinthians four nine, eleven ten, and First Peter one twelve. Uh, but we are not to try and summon spiritual beings or initiate contact with them. Mm. And there are newer, numerous examples where Jesus exerts authority over them during His life and ministry. But He's Jesus, and we just need to be aware that exists and are called to not believe all of them, and but also to test them. Yeah. And obviously, we are forbidden from worshiping in them. Yeah. And that's sin.
0: Absolutely. That's good.
1: Uh, number four, the Bible says much about the spiritual realm. However, because it's not the main perspective of the biblical story, much remains unknown about the nature of this realm, its interactions with the physical realm, and the distinctions and hierarchies of beings within it. So mm. just need to be cautious of in yeah. what we believe and try to test everything through prayer and according to Scripture, yeah. realizing we're not going to know everything. Like yeah. we, we know a lot, and like you said, it's important that we read those and understand where it does. But since it's not... It's not that it's not important, because it is in the Bible, so it's important, yeah, that's but that's right. not the main narrative point either. So we don't need to get so caught up in it that we miss yeah. the main point. Yeah. Well, and,
0: and let the main point influence how we see those sub-points. Right. And, and because when that's the case, when we major on the point, then the sub-points come into focus, and they, they get in the right place. And everything in its right place is order. Yeah. Order is good. Order leads to our flourishing
1: and the destruction of evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. And number five, we are spiritual beings along with being physical Mm -hmm. beings. Uh, There is a spirit component to us. Uh, There is a spirit component of God that resides within us when we um, come to be with him. And so with that comes its share of attacks from Satan, from his demons. There's not a single Christian capable of resisting every attack or thwarting off every evil uh, because of our own sin, because of our inability to do that. So it's imperative that we guard our heart and mind. And I think it's just important, from at least from my point today, to end with Ephesians 6. And you read verse 12, but just yeah. to break it down again, um, starting in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and the, in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Mm-hmm. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil in the with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all saints. And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, Mm -hmm. that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And I think we've addressed this before, but it's important to realize (laughs) there's only one offensive weapon there. The rest is defensive. And so the only way we can, uh, first we've got to defend and guard, and then the only way we can, attack offensively is the word of God. Yeah. And it's important that we understand that.
0: No, that's good. That's good. Um here's here's a here's kind of my my concluding um my concluding thing here. I, I think um there are two classes here that are very important. Number one, Colossians two tells us that in Christ, for those who are in Christ particularly, God has triumphed over these powers and authorities by the cross. And he's put them to public shame and open shame. And so there's a component of which we are not exposed to evil forces as though they run around without a leash. Hmm. There's a component for us, for us. And yep. I would say there's a distinction because if you're in Christ, you have the blood of Christ, the covenantal power of God over you. And, and there is no force that can come at you but what God doesn't put it on a leash and restrain it for your good and his glory um for those not in Christ you have no such protection and 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 i want to tell my tell a story quick story two different occasions and and i find it interesting that my experience here in the states is different than my experience in other countries that don't have as a predominant world view uh oh. anti anti-super, anti supernatural stuff so here we got kind of very anti supernatural the air is charged with skepticism right, right? There are other places where it's, not only is it not skeptical, it's expected that this stuff is real. And so, in those places, when I'm there on multiple occasions, I hear, I have, I have experienced um, spiritual conflict in a manner where um, the entities talk to me in my language. Now, that's weird for some people. I don't tell these stories. This, as a matter of fact, this is the first time I've told this this particular account publicly i don't think i've ever said this in in the pulpit i think i might have told you i've told several people about it and i ask but man i was i was super sick teaching systematic theology course in a particular location that has a supernatural worldview sleeping in tents man we're out we're out and when i say systematic theology you got to understand very scaled down basic christian doctrine but it's it's coming out of a systematized just here are the basic christian doctrine so teaching those two young pastors um very sick uh sleeping in tents um I, something just it was a particular instance there have been several occasions but this particular instance man I I was not feeling good and I was beginning to wonder like man do I we had like five days to go and I was going to I need to get some help so I ended up having I got home I had pneumonia I was very sick and I was like do I need to ask for help like I don't want to be a sissy I don't, don't want to uh, you know so I'm struggling to sleep I'm not feeling good I'm congested kind of low-grade fever and uh and people say oh it was just the fever well it wasn't the fever um, a fever comes and goes, and in this particular day the fever's not there. I'd had some Tylenol, had some medicine to help help regulate that, and uh, I and mean, I'm trying to sleep, and and I'm starting to get worried. Like I, I wonder if I need to get some help. I wonder if I need to get out of here um, and just get gone. Like you know, I got a family at home. I I can't I can't die here. I started these thoughts started racing out. These thoughts getting out of control, and and I was starting to drift off to sleep, and I felt something brush against the side of my head. And in a completely clean American accent, I heard your sister is dead. You need to go home. And I was like, and, and I, I kind of rushed, and I, I kind of shook, shook myself awake. And I, they, I do need that. That's a sign. I got to go. I got to go. Some, something has happened at home. And I started looking around for the person to tell me there was nobody there. Mm. There's a physical brush against me to wake me and tell me my sister had died. And I'm starting to get in this panic mode, and I'm starting to go, like, uh I I gotta get out of here, gotta get out of here. And it was just a supernatural work of the Lord. The Holy Spirit gave me the fruit of his presence and calmed me down and and discerned what was going on. Like it started with thoughts and ideas and fear and that spiraled into being manipulated to try to get me out of there. And so here's 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 where I'm going with that. Um we Jesus told us in John chapter eight that the devil's a liar and the father of lies, and when he lies, he speaks his native language. And so for those, and and Jesus even said explicitly there, for those who were not following him, they were sons of the devil. They were his children. That's powerful, because what Jesus meant was you have followed his lie. You're following his footsteps. And then John John 10, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. Mm -hmm. And so what I find interesting here is for folks who aren't in Christ and don't have the Holy Spirit to discern the voices and ideas and thoughts that they hear, the liar and the father of lies and all of those who follow in his footsteps, immaterial and material, will tell you what you want to hear and show you what you want to see to continue taking you down the primrose path of leading you away from salvation in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, your default is naturalism and some manner of um, whatever, um, they will give you natural things to see to lead you away, whether it be a UFO, a UAP, UAP, a Bigfoot, uh, whatever, to keep leading you down this distracted path of following something into the abyss. And for those in Christ, we have a way to combat that. For those outside of Christ, you have no way to combat that. And, And I'm not saying... It's only non-Christians that see UFOs and UAPs. I I don't know. That would be a fascinating breakdown. right? But I would say that for Christians and non-Christians alike, those who, be honest, have some strange experiences that they're not willing to tell because where we live, you're thought of as a nut if you see you're experiencing something that you can't empirically touch and prove. Does that
1: make sense? Yeah,
0: 100%. And so what I would say is I would argue that where people's worldview allow it, supernatural forces not on Jesus' team will seek to use whatever means to draw people away from the Lord Jesus. Um, whether it's Little Green Men, Men in Black, which by the way, go Google Men in Black and you will find where the movie came from. There's books written about stuff in West Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Fascinating stuff. Some of those little orange books. And uh, and you'll learn some, some, some crazy things. But I would say for those listening to this, don't be Shaken in your belief that God has given us an accurate record in the Bible, let it speak. It will let you know that there's a lot in play in the world today. And we need to have eyes that see and ears that hear and discern all things out and never be afraid to follow the evidence because the Bible and the Lord Jesus who inspired the Bible will never lead us down a path of untruth. Yeah. And so don't be afraid, um, follow the evidence. Um, and know that there are forces in play, immaterial and material, that want to lead people away from Jesus. And I'm convinced that an awful lot of what people see in these sightings um, <clears throat> is a figment—not a figment. It's real, but it's being shown to them, perhaps by forces that want to take them away from Jesus. So it's just worth thinking about, and uh, and could be dead wrong, could be yeah. absolutely 100% wrong. But I don't want to be afraid to talk about things that we can be wrong about when. It's out in front of us. And it's constantly shoved in our face. We need to be able to at least make some sense of it, and that's what we tried to do today. So, those are my final thoughts and words. Anything from what I just shared?
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think what you said was true. Though. I think, yeah, we could be dead wrong, but I think again we don't know. So I think it's important. Yeah, and, and it's find people that you can share those things with. Yep. because I think that's important to talk about because. We like to think that we're just, especially Christians, we're like, well, yeah. that's not going to happen to me. If anything, he's coming after you harder. He doesn't need to attack non-Christians very much because we're not pull, you know, other than right. just to keep them from finding Christ. And so we've got to be rooted in that. We've got to be rooted in one another. Um, helping pray for one another, build each other up, pointing each other to the scripture and not do it alone.
0: I love it, man. Absolutely. Thank you for that, brother. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We appreciate you listening to theology in the dirt. It's an absolute pleasure to get in here and chop up thoughts and ideas. And this might be the strangest thing we've chopped up to this point. And so, uh, it was fun. It was fun. And we might have to come back and do a Bigfoot episode and uh, bring some evidence from the Bigfoot Museum <laughs> up in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And if you haven't gone, it's worth going to check out. It's kind of fun, and it's always full. So it's kind of fun. Good times. Yeah, it's a good time. So, guys, thank you for listening. Thank you guys for supporting the podcast. Uh, please give us a five-star rating. Please share it and all that good stuff, and help us continue to put uh, theology in the dirt out in front of folks. Y'all have a great day. Talk to you next time. Out.